The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. If your best run plays are coming off end arounds, there's a problem. Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change. And now he has an offensive coordinator, and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback. Something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it! I want somebody to get kicked in the ass. When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me. I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no. The Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's Buffone 55, the John Buffone Show. Welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. I'm John Buffone. Alyssa Barbieri will not be with us tonight. She is currently staying safe from Hurricane Ian down in Florida, so we wish her and everyone else down there the very best as that hurricane rips through the re- region. So filling in for Alyssa will be someone who used to do this show like six years ago. Let's welcome in Aldo Gandia. Aldo, how are you doing? You remember how to do any of this? Well, I'm glad that we have an outline. <laughs> I know when I got to talk and, and stuff like that. But uh, of course I do. This is a, a show that's near and dear to my heart. It's a little over six years ago, you were a guest on one of my shows. And then I like fell in love with your energy and your knowledge and so forth. And we talked about uh, doing this show and doing it as a tribute to your uncle. So it's been fantastic. And I'm glad that I'm here side by side uh, talking football with you. Yeah, we rarely talk about the actual origin of this show and how it, like it just kind of poof out of nowhere. But yeah, I remember I was a I was just kind of I just jumped on one of the shows on the Barroom Network and all of a sudden that just somehow snowballed into this. I, I for better or worse, it snowballed into this. <laughs> this is like six, <laughs> six years later. Here we are still doing the same thing and people are still listening. So we must be doing something, right? I appreciate every one of you who are listening to this, watching this, who listen to the podcast version, watch the YouTube version. It's it's still amazing to me that people care uh, what I have to say or at least are entertained by what I have to say. But uh, although we got a great guest lined up to help us better understand the Bears' next test, the New York football giants. But just in case this is your first time listening or watching this show, Aldo. Give the people a rundown of how Buffon 55 works. You got it. Absolutely. Uh, Buffon 55 has three segments. We always begin with our first, uh, with our guest segment. And this week, we'll talk to the senior editor of the Giants Insider newspaper uh, and co-host of their podcast, 
Jerry Foley. Jerry, by the way, has an outstanding story, too, about how he got into uh, the business of reporting on football teams. After that segment, we're then uh, do the B-55 segment, and that is when John asks, uh, is asked five questions by me, and he's got 55 seconds to respond to each question. That, of course, is in tribute uh, to uh, Doug Buffone, who wore number 55 for 15 seasons with the Chicago Bears. We then finish things up with what we call a free-for-all, Buffone's basement, a lot of interaction with our people in the chat room. And, uh, and in the chat room, too, You can, if you've got questions for Jerry, Jerry uh, fire them away, and I will get them to him before the end of that segment. So that is it. Uh, John, why don't you take it away? Thank you, Aldo. Like you said, our guest tonight is the senior editor of the Giants Insider newspaper and co-host of their podcast. Let's welcome in Jerry Foley to Buffone 55. Jerry, how are you doing? Appreciate you being on. Ah, great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And so uh, let's just jump right into this because this is a, a matchup where, let's just face it, the Bears and Giants were maybe the fans were looking over the schedule at the beginning of the year and they say, hey, that might be one that we can win. And so I, I, I want to know, uh, the Giants, they're 2-1, and one, just, like the, just like the Bears are, maybe unexpectedly, maybe in, uh, you know pulling out wins that they weren't supposed to. What's your evaluation of this team through the first three weeks and uh, your evaluation of head coach Brian Dable since he just came in and this is his first season with the Giants? I, I think they've overachieved. I mean, th this was at best probably a 6-7 win team, and it still may be. But to win those first two the way they did, and to really hang in there Monday night. I mean, we had our podcast earlier this earlier today we recorded, and my assessment Monday night was in the first quarter we're just not as talented as Dallas, and and there there's so much lacking talent wise from this team because of the Dave Gettleman error, not era error, <laughs> and Dable and Kafka and Wink Martindale. We could not be happier um, with, with the coaching staff. I thought, you know. We're not going to get out coached. I don't think we're going to get out coached much anymore, like we've been over the last what five, six, seven years, whatever it's been. Um, it, it's just a it with the salary cap the way it is, um, and with the talent on this team, they're still a year or two away from really being a serious contender. Uh, and when I say serious contender, I mean playoffs, uh, probably maybe a year away. Uh, but right now, I'm just trying to enjoy two and one, and like you said. You look at week four and, and and both fan bases have every right to feel good about this week. So, you know, but one of us is going to come out of that game three and one and feeling pretty good. Maybe a little false sense of security because of what's on the horizon, but but overall pretty good. I mean, if I had to put a grade on it right now, the Giants are a B plus based on my expectations up to this point. Now, a big decision they're going to have to make, and probably they're going to take this whole year to evaluate, <laughs> is at the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, and it had regarding Daniel Jones, what has been your evaluation of him? What do you think is the uh, feeling around Daniel Jones? Because, you know, it, the, we'll, we'll get into the wide receiving core in a little bit, but Ooh. what he's working with and what he's able to do, is there a possibility he could play himself into either a franchise tag or a low value extension? Or do you think this is a reset and he's probably auditioning for his next team? Guys, if we could not talk about the receiving core, that'd be great. But um <laughs> You know, when going into the season, I thought it was going to be we're just going to play out the string and then move on. But I got to tell you, man, um, look, he's had his down moments, especially in first halves this year. But second half of both, you know, the, the Tennessee game and the Carolina game, he showed a lot. And then the other night, man, he if you're watching that game and you came away thinking Jones is the problem, you, I don't know what the hell game you watched. He had nothing to work with. 
from receiving other, other than Barkley. Okay, Barkley's great in the running game, but they zeroed in on Barkley. It was we're going to stop the run. From the receiving standpoint, um, you know, you have a guy like Kenny Galladay making 72 million who can't do anything. You have David Sills starting ahead of him. Uh, the offensive line, although Andrew Thomas has looked great. The rest of it is in flux. Evan Neal's a rookie. He's going to struggle. He struggled the other night. Glowinski has not played up to where he should, where he, we thought he would be. Feliciano's okay. Left guard is kind of a turnstile with Bredesen and Azudu. Um, so, look, going into the season, I would have said this is it for Jones. Now, I think he's showing a lot, and I think they're going to let this play out and see what he actually shows them. They're going to have to be in love with someone in the draft next year to move on, and maybe they are. But look, after seeing what he went through against Dallas, I'm rooting for the guy. I want him to do well. It's just I don't know if if it's going to be fair to him the rest of this year with that offensive line and the lack of weapons in the receiving game that he has. So, a lot of this uh, sounds familiar, but, <laughs> but like, oh, oh, dude, trust me. When we previewed the Bears, it was like, wow, this is a mirror image. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Yeah, and so let's talk about that receiving core because it's one of the few cores where you when you put them side by side, you're just like, hey. That's kind of comparable when you look at the right. Bears and the Giants. So uh, let's go to our – I want to go to our first user question that's in the chat room. Can we please ask uh, Mr. Foley with a Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay now removed as non-factors for the most part. What is the status of Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Toney's avail availability for uh, Daniel Jones into this game? Kadarius Toney, um, look, my partner, the, the our beat writer, Chris Bizignano, asked Dable today, and he, he basically said, we'll see Sunday. Uh, so we don't know. Um, Wandale is probably not going to play. He's, they say, they always say day to day, but he hasn't, he's dealing with a knee issue. So I don't think Wandale's going to play. Uh, I, I'd be right now. I'd actually be surprised if Tony plays, but I don't know. Um, it's going to be <laughs> David Sills, Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton and maybe, and Richie, I'm going to say Richie James as well. And, and, and someone may get elevated from the practice squad. Mm -hmm. So it is completely in flux question marks all over Sterling Shepard tours ACL. He's out for the year. Very likely played his last game as a Giant, so we all feel bad about that. But, yeah, Kenny Galladay has been an absolute disaster of a signing. I'm putting it with Albert Hainsworth if he doesn't do anything more than he has this year. I mean, 20 games as a Giant, no touchdowns in a time when Chris Myrick, the backup tight end, has two in that time. And Andrew Thomas has one. So the receiving core is, is a complete mess right now. And that, and that was going to be kind of my follow-up question. What was the thought process going into this year with this receiving core? Was it Galladay's going to step up and be the number one and Tony's going to take that next step in his progression? And then you have these, uh, you know, auxiliary players like like a Sterling Shepard and you draft the Wandell Robinson. Was there was there high hopes for this wide receiving core going into this year? And then it just kind of bottomed out with injuries and not playing up to uh, potential. There were a lot of question marks, but there was a lot of hope because of the talent there. Kadarius Tony teased us last year, especially in the Dallas game. He had, what, 189 yards, and he looked incredible. He looked uncoverable, and we really haven't seen that since. Wandale Robinson we were excited about because he was he was a, another version of Tony, right? He was very shifty, kind of a gadget guy that we could pl that, that could fit into this offense and do what Kafka wants to do, uh, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Uh, Shepard, he was very steady, but he can't stay healthy. Last year, Achilles you know, now ACL before that concussions. He just, he's always had injury issues. Galladay was the the wild card. It's like, well, what did we have here? Like, is he, is he anything close to 2019? And if you think about it, that's really the last year he had, that was a good year, right? 2019. Um, so there were high hopes, but it was, I've never, I said this on our podcast, I've never been so high on a group of receivers, but also so afraid of it all falling apart. 
And of course, uh, it's all falling apart. So, is Kenny Galladay done after this year? They, do they have a potential out on that contract, or, is, or what's what? What does his future look like? Yeah, they'll 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 take the hit next year, but they'll have some cap savings. They'll still take a bigger hit. I mean, the contract that they signed was, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman must have been on drugs. It, it was a horrifying, horrific contract. Like if they release him now, I'm pretty sure the extra, they extra they pay extra money towards the cap. Like unless they trade him, they can't do anything with him. And who's taking so, that contract? Right, right. Who's who wants Kenny Galladay? We were, you know, it'd be like we'd have to pay the Giants would have to pay the rest of it in order to trade him for a seventh round pick. Um, so look, he's not going to be part of the future. This is this is his last year, and uh, you know, it, it, the year can't end fast enough for Kenny Galladay unless he starts showing something. But you know, the other, I think it's in his head now. The other night they threw him a couple passes, he dropped them. So it's not just a, a it's not just a situation where he's struggling with the offense. And his skills are deteriorating. It seems like this is in his head now, and then the fans got on him. You know, he's public enemy number one on that offense. So I can imagine. Now you talked about Sterling Shepard with a torn ACL. Maybe the last game he plays the Giant. What's up? And I want to go to this is a user question from Nano C- uh, CBD. What's up with the Giants' turf? Could it be even yeah. worse than what we're used to at Soldier Field? Yeah, I, I would always th- look. Nobody likes the turf at MetLife. But he was just jogging. I mean, that was bizarre. What happened? It looked like someone sniped him. I, I don't know. I don't know if that doesn't happen on grass or even cement. I, I, I don't get how that happened. Uh, it's easy to blame the turf because Odell didn't like the turf. And there's always injuries on that turf. I mean, but that one was a little strange. But Dable kind of alluded to it that they're going to take a look at that in the offseason. <clears throat> like to look at everything. So I would love to go to grass, but the Jets play there as well. So I don't know if you can. And they tried it in the early 2000s. They had that tray system. And, the, the you know, the, the chunks of grass and dirt would fly up all over the place. So... I don't even know if it's possible to go to grass with two teams playing there. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept because it, it's one of the fields where two teams play there, and you're just going to keep you know tearing right. it up and tearing it up, and so you got to do something. Uh, another kind of a mirror image on you know between the Giants and the Bears are they have running backs who you know could be coming into the last year of their contract or looking for extension. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, a huge centerpiece of that offense, but has also dealt with his own injury problems. Is this a guy who's playing for an extension in New York, or is this is uh, maybe not part of the long-term plans with the new uh, with the new regime there? I think if he if he ha- keeps having the year he has, it's going to be very hard to let him walk. Um, there are some rumors about him getting traded. We don't know anything about that. But I've I've my prediction has been my uh, you know I guess it's not popular and a lot of people don't feel this way. He's the face of the franchise, and if he has a good year, I think they try and sign him just because he's on the team already. Everyone says. Okay, second overall pick for running back. Yeah, I get that. But we did that already. Like, he's on our team now. So who do you replace him with? You let him walk, and then what? You you know, even if you trade him for a first rounder, is your first rounder going to be anywhere near him? Or you're going to pick up a fourth rounder uh, that, that can do what he does? So look, man, maybe it's against the odds, but I think that they'll try and work something out with him if he has the year that he's that he's had so far and continues to have that. My belief is they're going to try and figure it out with Saquon. I know that's not popular, but I don't know how you let a talent like that just walk away when you have him on your team already. And you'd be hard pressed to find a team will give up a first rounder for a running back. So and, and to pay him the money that, that right, yeah. and, to, and maybe to pay him the money that he thinks he's going to get as a running back. They just don't pay running backs like that, you know. So right. I just, I just think it the the stars could align for once with the Giants, where they keep this, they keep their star player, and it's better for everybody. So we'll see. 
And you keep talking about the year he's having. Let, let our listeners know, is this the Saquon of old? Is he turning it back oh. on? Is he fully back from those injuries? Better than ever. I mean, he's running between the tackles and he's running hard too. I mean, Dable has 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 made him even a better runner. I mean, look, we are ecstatic with Brian Dable. I don't care if they don't win another game the rest of the season. I think the Giants finally found the right coach. Uh, and I look, I thought that we judges first year, and then I what the hell happened last year with the you know the second and eight from your own five, and you did a quarterback sneak and did a lot of weird things. But I think they had the right coach with Dable, and he's made Saquon a better runner because he's running between the tackles now. He's not looking for that home run, but he's still hitting that home run once he gets to that second level. So. Saquon has become a better player with Dable, and he's flourishing in this offense. Let's keep going around the offense just a little bit longer. Uh, obviously, they moved on from Evan Ingram at tight end. What's the early evaluation and return on uh, rookie Daniel Bellinger? Is this is this a guy that's uh, going to be going to be on the radar for Bears fans, or is it a work in progress? Um, he's a steady player right now because he's a rookie, but he's the most. I said today he's the most explosive player in their passing game by default. Um, look, I, he's he's a smart kid. He's blocking. He's a good blocker. I think he's maybe a little better blocker than than we, we previously thought coming out of the draft. But um, look, so far so good. A tight end's a hard position to learn as a rookie, and he's doing very well. I mean, he's the he's the number one tight end, and uh, we didn't know how it was going to go with him, but he, pleasantly surprised with this draft class so far you know, the one that the, once they're on the field, I should say. So uh, yeah, Bellinger, look, he's, he has a bright future ahead of him. He's just got to stay healthy and, and, and kind of keep at it, but so far so good with him. Last question about the offense. I, I, you, you mentioned the offensive line a little bit. Daniel Jones uh, was yeah. sacked five times in that loss to the Cowboys. Uh, what's your evaluation of this line? Um, sounds like there could be some weak spots for the Bears defensive line uh, to get some pressure. And I know we and Bears fans know that the the Bears like to try to get pressure with just the front four. They don't yeah. like to blitz too much right now in this in this current year. Are they going to be able to get uh, their front four uh, with some pressure there? Probably yes. Uh, Andrew Thomas has been spectacular and he's really turned it on. Like if they did a redo of that draft, I still take Thomas four even with Werfs in the draft. Like Andrew Thomas is coming into his own now. He he is a God willing, uh, you know, uh, going to be a block for us. Uh, a, a, block of granite on the left side there for the next 10 years. Then it gets interesting. Um, you know, to, next to him, it's kind of a rotation, like I said, of, of Zudu, uh, Bredesen, and, and Shane Lemieux. He, he hasn't been he, – he's not healthy. He can't get on the field. He really hasn't played – didn't play last year much. Uh, he hasn't played since his rookie year, so we still don't know what we have there. At center, we have John Feliciano, who's – he's okay. I mean, he's a, he's a nice stopgap, but, you know, not the future. Uh, Mark Lewinsky has been a disappointment so far at right guard. We thought we'd have more than him, uh, but more from him, I should say. Uh, Micah Parsons completely ran through him the other night and, and made him look like, you know, the right guards of the last four to five years with this team. And look, Evan Neal's going to be great, I think. Uh, but he had a, he struggled the other night. He was pretty good the first two games, but right tackle rookie against uh, you know Demarcus Lawrence. It, it, he had he gave up three sacks and. He was bummed out after the game and said he played the worst game of his life. He never played like that before. But I don't, you know, as a, even as a fan, I don't, I don't get mad at Evan Evan Neal for not playing well his rookie year against Demarcus Lawrence. It's, it's a work in progress. So the line is on the right track to improving, and and they have improved somewhat, but there's still a long ways to go. It's not. It's the. It's far from a finished product. Testament to uh, Bobby Johnson as the OL. Uh, oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that alone, like that's what I mean. Like this staff, I feel like we're in the 21st century now with with coaching. Like they know what they're doing. So uh, we're we're aspiring to that as well in in Chicago. That that, that yeah. has not been the feeling the last well 
right. you know how many years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's switch sides of the ball. Uh, the one thing that has been working uh, for the Bears is the run game last week. Khalil Herbert racked up 157 yards on 20 carries uh, in place of the injured David Montgomery. Is there going to be opportunities for the Bears to run again, or do the Giants key in on that, and they are they able to stop the run? Well, if, if Leonard Williams doesn't play again like like Monday night, then yes, absolutely you do. And plus, look, we we released, you know, Blake Martinez, who was our best middle linebacker or inside linebacker, I should say. Um, it you know it was they said it was an amicable split. It is what it is. But he's gone now. But now you replaced him with Austin Calitro. You know, that's quite a quite a drop off in talent. Now they drafted a kid, Micah McFadden, uh, from Indiana, who's who's a rookie and he's coming on, but. Your, your middle, your inside linebackers now are Tay Crowder, who's okay, and you know he has his moments, and Austin Calitro, and so without Leonard Williams and with just Dexter Lawrence there, and you know a bunch of guys who are filling in like DJ Davidson, uh, Nick Williams, you're going to have your opportunities running up the gut. I think on the edge we're a little better, uh, sealing the edge with you know guys like you know, Thibodeau coming back, but when he wasn't playing, O'Shane Zimenez, uh, who came out of nowhere, played really well, and Jihad Ward. Uh, really sealed the edge uh, on that defensive line. So if Leonard Williams doesn't play Sunday, I feel a lot worse about our chances against your running game. Now let's go to something that's not as effective so so far this year. That would be the Bears passing game. They're still searching for that passing yeah. game. Will there be opportunities uh, for the Bears to find some holes in that secundary? Uh, specifically, I guess, uh, Cordell Flott uh, and going through that secondary. Where could there be some weak spots? Yeah, he didn't practice today. So, uh, you know, Fabian Moreau is going to be um, activated again uh, probably for this Sunday off the practice squad. That's it. It's that second cornerback spot. I mean, Giants have a pretty good safety combo with a real – I mean, Xavier McKinney's excellent. And Julian Love's kind of somebody who can do it all. Uh, very happy with the Giants' safeties. And, and Dory Jackson's playing his butt off at, at, at first corner. So, you know, it's three out of four positions kind of locked down. But that fourth one is just really – just a huge question mark, even with Cordell Flott there. I mean, he's a rookie. He's very thin. Um, he's a good, pretty good tackler, but he, look, he's learning the pro game. Cornerback, third-round pick, uh, that, that's hard to come in and start. Um, but look, Dane Belton is that third safety. He's done pretty well uh, in his two games. So I would say the second cornerback spot. And 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 look, um, you know, Cole Kemet probably could have some success against our linebackers. So that's that's probably it. Bears fans are waiting for that Cole Komet breakout game. Had a couple catches last week, got off the schneid, but uh, they're still waiting for that, uh, you know, six catch game for maybe with a touchdown on that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's been concerning Bears fans has been the pass protection. So uh, how is that? How's that defensive line of the Giants looking? And are they going to keep creating problems for Justin Fields uh, as he drops back? And is he going to get flushed out of the pocket? Well, it's funny because the first two games, the pass rush looked decent. And if Shane Zeminis, a guy I mentioned before, who is in his fourth year, uh, came on out of nowhere, we didn't think he's going to make the team. And that's so what I mean, like the Dable effect, like this kid's playing great and dunked Gatorade on the head coach game one. I'm like, this kid went from, I can't believe he's on the team to he's the one dunking Gatorade on, on Dable for his first win. So Hayden Jihad Ward looked good in the first two games. And everyone was excited that Thibodeau and Ojolari came back last game. And Ojolari, other than forcing two holds, they didn't do much. So Giant fans were all excited, you know, kind of acting like Taylor and Banks were coming off the bench. And these guys hadn't played in preseason much. So that's the importance of preseason as well. Like they didn't have much snaps. And Thibodeau's a rookie and, and Ojolari's in his second year. So that, as the season goes on, they'll be fine. But um, even that's good. That might take some time too. So it's just that, you know, Martindale's just going to send the house. And as, as, whether your line can protect or not, 
he's going to send bodies and it does not matter who's playing on the outside. And I, I, you know, Chris says this all the time, my, my partner, every Ravens fan I've spoken to has said he will blitz if you are covering the wide receiver. So get ready for that. Get ready for Justin Fields uh, rolling out a lot, having to roll out and, and run for his life because Martindale will send the house. And But we'll see if if they can generate something with less than, you know, seven guys rushing the passer. But That should make for an interesting uh, concept because that means quick decisions, getting the ball out quick, and a young quarterback sometimes they get the wrong read. There could cause yeah. turnovers. So we'll see We'll see how that plays out because it also could mean there could be some guys running deep uh, freely on that, well, you know, zero coverage every once Well, Mon- Monday night, Cooper Rush was was a master at it. I mean, I, I was almost saying, like, oh, stop blitzing, but Wink doesn't stop blitzing. With Fields, I'd rather blitz just because he's a younger quarterback and hasn't seen all this. But with Cooper Rush, it was, oh, my God, sit back a bit. Don't don't send everyone. And he was killing them. He was eating them alive. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, speaking of Justin Fields, we have a really interesting question from the chat room. This one comes from Laz. Jerry, in the second season now after the Giants-Pairs trade last year, who do you think's winning that trade right now? The Bears got uh, Justin Fields, and I believe the Giants, they got what they get, Neil and Tony out of that, and then somebody else. I, was that part of the um, – that Ellerson, was an Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Robinson? Uh, Ellerson Smith, Neil, and Tony. Oh, maybe. Ellerson Smith. Ellerson Smith hasn't played. Uh, look, Tony hasn't done nearly what we thought. I mean, so I'll say the Bears, but forget I, – I, we had a shot at Micah Parsons or or Slater, and, and we didn't – Sean Slater, and we didn't take him. We traded down. You know – the easy pick there was Slater, but the let's do it pick was, you know, Micah Parsons. And this is a Monday morning quarterbacking. This is what every Giant fan felt. And we trade down and take Tony, who probably should have gone in the second or third round. So, you know, I don't know what Fields is going to become. Right now, it's a, I guess it's advantage slightly bears. Um, but, it, you know, if Fields doesn't work out, then it's a push. And say, is it more of a, is it almost more of a loss for the Giants because of who they didn't take? Yes, that, yes, exactly. That it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's more of a loss that we traded down and ignored two, per, you know, perennial pro bowlers. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, we have our, we have our own plethora of draft catastrophes. We can relate. I feel like this is a very, well, these are kindred spirits, these two franchises, at least. Yeah, I mean, not to, not to go off on it, but, you know, you have a list of, when you're doing your mock drafts, you have a list of 15 guys if you're picking 10th and you go, if we get any of these guys, I'm ecstatic. And we got none of them. And it's just, <laughs> you know, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Got him. Appreciate that. A little parting shot on the way out, right? Yeah, no, no yeah. Thank you. Right before you go to Cape Cod, screw us one more time. Thanks. I was, I was going to ask, what is the general consensus over Gettleman? Because he's the guy who, you know, he he, he came in with this, you know, he kind of kind of a bold and bolden kind of guy. Goes in and gets Daniel Jones. And then he does everything that he's, you know, all these personnel decisions plus trades out right before on his last, ultimately his last draft. What's the, what's the lasting legacy of Dave Gettleman there? I gave him credit for the 2020 draft in a recent article because he took he took Thomas and McKinney. You got to give him credit for that. Uh, he got Cam Brown, who's an excellent um, uh, special teams player. There are a few other guys, Lemieux. You don't know what he's going to become. Uh, I, I don't want to give up on Parrot yet. So the 2020 draft was okay, but overall, you know, he's looked at as Ray Hanley of, of the GMs. I mean, he is just – what's the opposite of building a statue of someone? The, the, the complete opposite of that is what people want to do to Dave Gettleman. They, he is hated, makes Jerry Reese look like George Young. Um, he is not popular among Giant fans. I'd say 99.9% cannot stand the guy. And, look, he was pretty arrogant in press conferences. Like, oh, what? Why are you guys even questioning me? I know what the hell I'm doing. Like, it was everything. It wasn't just the horrible free agency, mostly horrible drafting, 
horrible cap, um, you know, taking care of the salary cap. It was the, the arrogance that came with it. It was just, wow, this guy just thinks he's, you know, he knows everything and you know nothing. So he, and he had his hand in the Joe judge hiring then of course. Right. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. But you know, look, you know, Belichick gives a recommendation as well. So that, that goes a long way. I mean, I don't blame him for judge. I blame him more for, for Pat Shermer. I mean, Mm-hmm. Saying he's the uh, the you know the 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 adult in the room, um, and Pat Sherman was really an offensive coordinator. Uh, that that's all he ever ever has been, and it just it was a waste of two years. I don't fault Gettleman for trading Odell. Uh, I fault him for what they did with it. It was Julie. It was uh, Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and O'Shane Zimmon. Is now Zimmon is coming on, and Dexter Lawrence is a good player. But I, I just felt like. You know, you, you know, you passed on a guy like Metcalf in that draft. You could have done some some good things and trading up for DeAndre Baker, Woo. taking Jones at six. It's like, man, you talk about questionable moves. Uh, Gettleman was loaded with him, and then he had some horrible free agent signings. Nate Solder, Omame, but. I don't know if you guys are trying to send me to a psychologist for this, but uh, you know, I'm- this is we have to we misery loves company, so we have to keep yeah. we have to keep stirring this pot a little bit. I, but yeah. for some for some positivity here, what is the early returns on Joe Shane? Because obviously the Bears have a new GM, the Giants have a new GM. What are the what are the uh, the thoughts on the new GM uh, with the Giants? He can do no wrong because of the situation he was given, especially with the cap and the talent. Um, we love the first two picks. You know, we question the second pick, Wandale Robinson, but then you see his stats and you think, all right, they know what they're doing. Um, and then some other guys have worked out better than we thought. Like Azudu could be a player at left guard. Um, Cordell Flott looks decent. So he's done. he did a lot of things. And then uh, Dane Belton looks good. Uh, he drafted a kid, Darian Beavers, who tore his ACL, but looked great in preseason. So draft-wise, it, it looks, you know, you don't want to grade drafts the same year, but early returns are in and they're pretty good. Uh, he, he got a hold of the salary cap. You know, he got it under control. He had to cut James Bradbury, which we kind of all knew was coming. Uh, the, the only questionable thing they did so far, really questionable, was parting ways with Blake Martinez. That was strange. Uh, everybody liked Blake Martinez. He wasn't voted team captain again. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but that was the only move where everyone's like, well, that might come back to bite you. But um, look, we're, we're ecstatic with with Shane and Dable. And I, it, was, it reminds me of Kane and Abel. I, I just always think of that. But we're, we're ecstatic with Shane and Dable, and we're, we're just happy to move on from Dave Gettleman. So. Biblical references. I like it. That's what yeah. that's what people come here for. <laughs> yeah. uh, before nice. we get before we get into the prediction of the game, I do want to – we always ask our guests about uh, a little bit of special teams. Is there someone that Bears fans can keep an eye on, whether it be a long snapper, a gunner, a punt returner, a kicker, a holder, whatever it is, any anyone to highlight with the uh, Giants special teams? Oh, our, our, our most valuable player, Graham Gano. Guys, unbelievable. Oh, my God. And the Scottish Hammer, Jamie Gallon. Yeah, uh, the punter. Uh, no, I mean, look, the, the special teams have been um, – They the Giants do that short kick a lot, and it burns – it comes back to bite them. I don't know why they do it. I complain about it on the podcast. Graham Gano can kick it into the stands. Just concede the 25. Stop trying to get them at the 15 or the 20. It doesn't work. Um, Cam Brown's a good special teams player, but beyond that, it's just the coverage has been spotty. There's no return game. Richie James is the punt returner. Uh, Gary Brightwell, a sixth round pick, I believe from last year, uh, is the kickoff returner, but I think he's only had a couple returns. So, you know, we're not going to hurt you in the return game and our coverage is is not that great, but we have a good punter and our kicker is one of the best in the league. And, 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 and Cam Brown is a, is a, is a really good gunner. But um, if the Giants do that short kick, you should be happy because you'll probably get it up to the 40. And when you have two teams like this playing, it could come down to a special team's play to yeah. make to, to to make the difference. Now, I will ask you, what is your prediction for this game? I believe the Giants right now are about three-point favorites, but I think you get that just for being at home. So this, if this is on a neutral site, people, the, the Sharps think this is kind of an even matchup. 
what do you think comes of this game uh factoring in the injuries who could play um and the fact that it is in new york what do you what do you think the outcome of this game could be I don't feel like I don't want to feel overconfident because the Giants have no right to, but just the fact that it's home, uh, the crowd was louder than it's ever been Monday night. Uh, Martindale's going to send the house at fields. I like that matchup. I like, you know, our offenses are mirror images of each other, except we have a, a better left tackle. That, that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, and we have Barkley. Um, I think it'll be a close game and then maybe like a pick six. I, I just say Giants by 10, just because it'll be a late touchdown that does that. It's not going to be like a, the Giants are up by 10 the whole game. I just think it'll be a mistake. Maybe Fields makes at the end and the Giants score. So I said 27-17. One of those things where the Bears are on the drive to try to take the league at the end and it's yeah. a big six that kind of happens. Something like that. And it could happen the other way. I just I feel like the game will be a 10-point game because of a late mistake by somebody. I'll just go with the Giants because they're home. And I do like the Martindale versus uh, Fields matchup. Very fair assessment. Very fair assessment. Well, Jerry, before we get you out of here, can you let our listeners and viewers know, first of all, how you? I heard you have a pretty interesting story. How you got into this, and then let us know. Let us know uh, how people can find your stuff and listen to all your work. Yeah, sure. So uh, www.thegiantinsider.com for our newspaper. We still have a newspaper. I, I it's I know it's amazing. Love it. Um, and you can get it on Magster on the digital subscription M A G Z T E R. And we have a, a podcast on, on pretty much every platform. Our Twitter account is Giant Insider. And I got involved in this by writing into the newspaper years ago. Uh, as a fan, kept writing in, kept writing in. They couldn't ignore me anymore. And uh, the editor had me write weekly and then said, can you do more? But, you know, by 2015, I was writing half the paper. And then in 2018, he said, do you want to edit it? I said, yeah. He goes, all right, I'm going to step aside. So I brought in a friend of mine who I also met through the newspaper. Now he's the beat writer and we do this together. So pretty amazing. If you have a passion, guys, go for it. And uh, you never know what could come of it. Persistence. It yeah. is key. Persistence. I love it. I love it. I, Jerry Foley. I, senior editor of the Giants Insider Newspaper and the co-host of their podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, giving us a good breakdown of who the Bears are going to be up against on Sunday. And we'll talk to you whenever these two teams are inevitably in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, take care. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 right after this. Welcome back to Buffon 55. I am Aldo Gandia. Great interview. Uh, and now it's time for our segment with John called B55. I will ask John five questions. He has 55 seconds to respond to each, each question. And that's in honor of Doug Buffon, my childhood hero. 
I I watched uh, Doug Buffon play at uh, Soldier Field and Wrigley Field actually for one season, and uh, was always a great admirer. And he was, of course, a legendary broadcaster and media person after his playing career was over. John, are you ready for some? five questions <laughs> i am and let me say that uh, i'm very jealous that you actually got to watch him play i was he was retired by that way before i was born so i'm that's very jealous that you actually got to see him in person play i tell you you know it was easy to see what an uh impact he made on this team and how he helped dick butkus roam around the field and, and create big plays i think uh, a lot of times Doug doesn't get the credit he deserves for elevating the play of his teammates and particularly his fellow linebacker, Dick Butkus. So um, hopefully one day, uh, you know, people will recognize that the national media will recognize that it's long, long overdue. No, not going to hear any arguments out of me on that one. <laughs> All right. You're ready to get started. Let's go. All right. So, um, well, I'm interested in your takeaways from uh, this game. Everybody knows that a win is a win, and that's a good thing. But there's been a lot of people who have been kind of upset about the quality of victory. So I'm going to give you 55 seconds, and you answer the question, what were your takeaways from this game? And take it away. Well, it's clear that the, the Bears can run the ball, and their passing game is spastic at best. Those two things kind of play into my biggest takeaway. The Bears are not going to be overly aggressive in a lot of games this year. They're okay running the ball on third and long. They're okay letting the last minute or so of the first half run out, even though they have three timeouts. Uh, and I'm not trying to be disparaging here. They won the game that way. I know a lot of Bears fans are acting like they lost the game because they didn't win it in a certain way, and to an extent I completely get it you aren't going to play the Texans every week and eventually you're going to have to win a shootout but I see a plan in place and I imagine we'll see something similar against the Giants on the road on Sunday Matt Eberflus has his vision for this team and they're going to stick to this game plan and this could help them squeeze out six to eight games this season and so that was my takeaway but watch I say all that and they'll probably throw the ball 45 times this week against the Giants do uh, do you think that a uh, a win can be so ugly that it uh, it it almost is dispiriting for a team. Uh, I, I think it's all about the context of it because if you win that game and it's incredibly ugly, you can feel bad about it. But what if you would have lost that game? You feel even worse about it. There's nothing to build on. Like I like I've been saying on this show and on on other shows is the fact that. We're not used to the Bears winning ugly. We're used to them losing ugly and then being mad about it. So we're not sure how to react whenever they're able to pull out some of these games. Like they still didn't look great, but they're two and one. So how like should I be should I be angry? <laughs> like so I, I'd much rather be able to build off of a win, clean up the things that are very uh, that uh, very obviously need cleaned up. But mm -hmm. at the same but in the same breath, you won the football game, and I, I think that that's not something that we're used to in the last few years. One of the uh, odd things, one of the incredible things about pro football is, you know, you're three weeks into the season and you can rightly say, hey, there's 14 more games, there's a lot of season left. But you blink your eyes and all of a sudden you're in the middle of the season and you blink for the second time and you're, you got a couple games left and things can go by pretty fast, right? 
Oh man, oh. this we wait. It seems like the off season takes six years, and then the season takes two weeks. It, like mm-hmm. this, this, this season just flies by, and we all talking about it's a long season. And it is a long season, but whenever you're into it, and you just just like everything leads up to that game. Oh crap! Okay, it's on to the next game, on to the next game, and before you know it, you're 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 looking at the Super Bowl. <laughs> so things <laughs> things move very quickly. Indeed. All right. Let's get on to question number two. So the biggest talking point coming out of Sunday's game was the uh, uh, performance by Justin Fields, which he himself described as trash. He was eight of 17 for 106 yards and two picks. John, what is your best guess as to what is going on with Justin Fields? And remember, it's just 55 seconds. <laughs> uh, I think I was a victim of the moment at halftime because I was kind of mad about them not trying to score. So I almost gave in that the team didn't trust Justin Fields. But I think it just played into the overall conservative game plan. But yeah, he didn't play well. Those two picks were on him. They were bad throws. But I still think this is a collection of things. I do believe they're treating this like Justin Fields really rookie season so the training wheels are still on I believe there are pass protection problems with the line and of course the weapons aren't there I don't see this as a lack of confidence in the quarterback and people once again are saying that the the front office's lack of action in the offseason is somehow linked to a lack of confidence in their quarterback did you want them to shell out 80 million dollars on Christian Kirk did you want them to shell out 75 million dollars on a 31 year old Teron Armstead did you want them to liquidate liquidate their already depleted draft capital to trade for receiver Uh, if you want to make the argument that they should have drafted a receiver that's fine but i can't see that they didn't have it in for justin fields Mm -hmm. i totally agree with your take on that you know it's uh it's unfortunate that he was brought into a situation justin fields when you had a lame duck head coach and offensive coordinator and so you forced him to you, you really put him behind the the eight ball there or whatever the ex- proper expression is. How can you develop a quarterback when you sort of have a feeling that the head coach you have hired for this team isn't getting the job done mm-hmm. and you're just it's it's a it's a recipe to sputter along and really put your quarterback into a very, very tough position. I really feel for Justin Fields. No, perhaps a lot of the quarterback problems in the history of the Chicago Bears have been because of management and poor decisions by the management team. What do you think? Oh, I think that's 100% right because the, the stars never align at the same time. You can do that. You could do the same thing with Trubisky where he had to come in with John Fox and then they had to get rid of him and he had a new system and a new coach and a new coordinator. And then they're doing the same thing with Fields. They give him one year with Matt Nagy's system and then they have to upheave everything and they screw up the cap. And so Ryan Poles wasn't going to come in here and just try to put on a bunch of band-aids. He saw that they had to clear a bunch of cap space if they wanted to build this team from the ground up. And who's going to suffer the most from that is your quarterback who they don't have a lot of weapons with. But what else were you supposed to do? Were you just like, supposed to just keep kicking the can down the road and spend a lot of money on, on a Christian Kirk? Or you're supposed to just shell out more money than what you have and make all these void years so you're going to be absolute trash by the time you'd have to pay Justin Fields? So I, mm-hmm. it, there, there, weren't, there weren't a lot of options for the front office. And unfortunately, Justin Fields is going to have to go through this year where he doesn't have a lot to work with. But if you're the eternal optimist, and that's usually not me, but I'll play one right now, is – if he can get through this year with these weapons and have any kind of success, 
Guess what he can do when he actually has, a, has an actual uh, arsenal of weapons around him? If they go and they draft the wide receiver or they go and they get one in the offseason, whether it be through trade or through free agency, what happens if he actually has a really good wide receiving core and, a, and a, you know, a dependable weapons? Maybe he's going to be great. And, he, and, this, and this is just iron sharpening iron, trying to be positive here. <laughs> but it's, it, it, <laughs> but uh, I, I do feel for Justin Fields because he was dealt a pretty crappy hand. Uh, but this is But I think your point is very valid it's uh, it's because of the way that management always seems to that they don't ever seem to align these things in the right way yeah well and when we get to buffon's basement i've got a soundbite from justin fields uh talking about a particular play uh that he was locked in on darnell mooney and uh and that's been part of his problem too is that some of those some of the some of the decision making that he's made might be uh impacted because he's got a favorite receiver and he's staring him down and the defense is aware of what's going on. And it's led to uh, poor performances so far by both of those guys, yeah. Mooney and Fields. Yeah. No one's, right. no one's, no one's benefiting from that, but exactly. Let's get on to question number three. Uh, well, one part of the offense that didn't struggle was the run game. The bears ran for over 280 yards with Khalil Herbert rushing for 157 yards on 20 carries in relief of the injured David Montgomery. John, what did the performance tell you about the bears run game and what could happen in David, if David Montgomery misses a stretch of games with this ankle injury, which scares me, but uh, you've got 55 seconds. Well, it's pretty obvious that the Bears can run the ball, thank God, because if they couldn't, who knows where they'd be. But Khalil Herbert is certainly making his case. He was the more effective running back in week one against the 49ers, and he came through in a big way against the Texans. The aspect that is the most interesting to me, however, is how the future of the position is going to develop. If David Montgomery is out for a number of weeks, and it seems like he's going to be back sooner than some of us originally thought, but does that act as a big time audition for Khalil Herbert. Let's not forget, David Montgomery doesn't have a contract after this year. And if Khalil Herbert balls out, maybe Matt Eberflus and Ryan Foles see a very cheap, effective running back, and they don't necessarily have to allocate 8 to $10 million to David Montgomery next year. That would be cemented if Tristan Ebner plays well as the number two back, and then the Bears would have a solid, incredibly cheap backfield. Both of those guys combined are making about $1.5 million. So this should be uh, an interesting development. I think you nailed it there when you brought up Tristan Ebner, because if Tristan Ebner proves that he can be a good complimentary back to Khalil Herbert, then David Montgomery really will be looking for a, a new team next season. I hate to say that, but the NFL now has become kind of a, a factory system of using running backs uh, and uh, – getting some wear and tear on them and then passing them on to somebody else and, and acquiring a cheaper version. There's just so many good middle round uh, running backs coming out of college who can catch the ball and run effectively. And I think that the, the value of running backs uh, has dissipated greatly. Do you miss those days, uh, John, where uh, Walter Payton was getting the ball 35 times a game? I, I miss those elite running backs that could make a case for MVP uh, every mm -hmm. year. And it's just, I mean, we're just not there anymore. And it's just it's probably not going back to that anytime soon because if, uh, although if you look at it, 
name me one team that shelled out a ton of money to their running back and it worked flawlessly. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's making a buku bucks in, in Carolina. They're not doing anything. I think Alvin Kamara is too. He's a great running back and he's still producing, but they're not winning anything. Um, the, the whole Lev Bell thing, the Steelers are smart to let him like, okay, go find a big contract. He went to the, he went to the jets and he was there, what a year. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, some, but if, if Montgomery's willing to take that, eight to 10 range maybe they can have that conversation but as soon as you start creeping up into that 12 13 14 because derrick henry got uh, got paid and he's he's maybe a step slower than he used to be because he's taking so many hits throughout the season and he's and he got hurt last year so this is a high collision position and if you're paying if that's the highest paid guy on your offense or one of the highest paid guys on your offense you're taking a pretty big risk that they're going to be available all 17 games so mm -hmm. uh, i understand the business of it now and why teams might be uh, a little more hesitant and i didn't see joe mixon got paid are we gonna make the outlier then okay we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> one out of ten so uh, yeah so but at the same time uh there, there, there needs to be there needs to be an understanding that this is a business, and I don't think Ryan Poles is in the business of paying a lot of money to uh, to running backs. Yeah, it is unfortunate, uh, by the way, that Khalil Herbert did not win Offensive Player of the Week honors. Uh, I mean, uh, what was it? One hundred and fifty plus yards, two touchdowns. You got the uh, uh, FedEx Brown Player of the Week or whatever. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't get that decision at all. I think Mr. Herbert got uh, robbed, but uh, uh, we'll let his agent deal with that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Let's go on to question number four. An interesting report that surfaced right before last Sunday's kickoff was that the Bears would be active in the wide receiver market before this year's trading deadline. It's clear that the Bears could use some help. Oh, man, is it ever clear? But do you think it's possible? 55 seconds. Take it away, brother. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, now with Pringle out for the year, who knows what the plan is, but I think it kind of goes against what we've seen Ryan Poles do. I, I can't imagine him giving up draft capital to go after a team's number two or three receiver. And I highly doubt any team is going to part with an elite receiver midseason because most of those teams have playoff aspirations. Why would you dump one of your best assets? So I just scanned a few teams that might have moderately interesting trade options. And to be honest, there really aren't that many. Would Pittsburgh part with, Chase Claypool would the Jets part with Elijah Moore would Houston let go of Brandon Cooks even though they signed him to an extension uh this year uh I just don't see it I can maybe envision them trading for a disgruntled high-end receiver for a couple of mid-round picks in the offseason and then take a wide receiver in the first round and then things get turned around with that wide receiving core I'm just not sure who they could bring in this year that is a true upgrade uh from what they currently have plus they don't throw the ball that much anyway <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we've got to hope uh, that uh, some of these injured receivers get back as quickly as pa uh, possible. And the kill Harry uh, will be eligible to come back uh, Monday, but we'll see where he is with the injury. I saw uh, Coach Eberflus's uh, press conference today, and you know I, I really enjoy listening to him talk about why even ask him about injuries now? I mean, yeah. he gives away nothing, nothing at all. I mean, you you have to come up with a creative way to ask him about injuries and maybe trip him up or something like very that. Very Belichickian, yeah. exactly. And he's stonewall. He could have been a PR professional the way that he stonewalls some of those answers. He really is. Yeah. And sometimes he'll say, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
he heard you. He's just formulating formulating that. his response. It's, uh, <laughs> trust me, I've been around that business a long time. Ask for the question again, so you have an extra five or ten seconds to think about your response. <laughs> yep, very, you very wily. Yeah, that's 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 good. I like that. Very wily. But uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts on you know potential wide receiver pickups. Uh, we'll we'll leave that for Buffon's basement. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. It, 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 there aren't going to be any names that you're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> trust exactly. Me. Yeah. <laughs> that's just not there <laughs> all right let's get it on to uh question number five as you as you said in the open not many people had the bears sitting at two and one after three games the bears have been a punching bag for the national media many which saying that the bears were the worst team in the league and some have not let up on that despite their record if the bears are able to beat the giants sunday Will a three and one record be enough to get the national media off the Bears' back? I'm throwing away that 55 second clock. You, sir, take it away. You know, one would think that if a team is three and one, they cannot be thought of as the worst team in the league, let alone a CFL team or whatever the hot take is this week or however they're disparaging the Bears. It's just a lazy narrative. Everyone that took under 60 seconds to formulate an opinion saw that the Bears lost Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks, and Khalil Mack. Then they hired a defensive head coach. Well, then we got to get on the Bears are tanking train. Listen. A-Rob had a terrible year last season. Hicks missed eight games and Khalil Mack missed 10 games. And that team won six games with Matt Nagy. I'm not knocking those players, but it's not like they were the driving force behind all six wins. How do you figure that this team is going to be four or five games worse after, after adding two young starters to the defense and having Justin Fields enter his second year with a competent coordinator and play caller? But... We do know that some analysts will go down with the ship with their awful takes. So they could be framing the Bears like this regardless of the record. It's going to be a long season. We'll be back with Buffon's Basement right after this. Ellis Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we, never, we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. Do do you think that uh, Olin Krutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you, I told you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know there's no players around. Here, <laughs> oh, get the f out of my weight room. <laughs> Oh, and I go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I got a commercial. <laughs> Welcome back to Buffone 55. It's time for Buffone's Basement. That's where we just go into a free-for-all. Aldo and I, we're going to talk about anything and everything. Throw in your topics in the chat if you want us to uh, hit on it. But, Aldo, you teased something in that last segment about potential trade targets for the Bears. I I, I love transactions. I love <laughs> Me tinkering with things. I, 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 love, I love the franchise mode in Madden because I can just tinker with everything. I can move this. I can trade this. I can bring this over here, move this money over here. Tell me. Who are the Bears? Who could the Bears be bringing in that are, and like you said, I'm sure they're not going to blow my socks off. But who, who, are, who are some of these uh, names that you're thinking of? 
Frankly, I had not heard of these guys until I did my research. Oh, today. good. This is a good start. Yeah, it's going to be great. So I looked at two teams, of course, that the Bears have some familiarity with. And so I started with uh, Ryan Poses, of course, familiar, familiarity with the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're not going to trade any of their five uh, receivers on their active roster. So I looked at what they're, who uh, are the right wide receivers on their practice squad because that's not even a trade. That's just going in there and plucking the guy. And so one of the guys that intrigued me is a six foot two, 210 uh, pound wide receiver who is in his fourth year, uh, but he has, he's jumped around a couple of teams, but this guy has that kind of potential. And actually he was on the active roster week one. And so what Kansas city is doing with him, they're using him some weeks and, and not using him others. He's kind of a, uh, uh, a, a safety valve for them uh, for injury purposes. But this guy has the big body, as you can see here on a short out pass pass. Uh, and these three highlights from the first preseason game of the season kind of shows what he's good at. Look at how he takes the punishment, does the slam pattern right at the safety, takes the hit and uh, proudly uh, uh, spikes the ball or lets the ball go. And then he can also get behind a cornerback. So Doris fountain might be somebody that ryan poses could say you know what i'm not gonna trade any of my draft picks or draft assets i'm gonna pick this guy because i remember him or i've done my work on him so that's my first name i see you laughing and so i know what's coming let me have it <laughs> i love the creativity and i love the amount of thought you put into this the familiarity with the chiefs and let's look at the practice squad let's go find their preseason highlights it's just i'm I'm not laughing at you in general i'm laughing at the fact that this is where we're at now <laughs> let's, see, let's see how deep we can dig in into people's <laughs> practice squads and see if we can find a gem in week four because we don't got anything left. Uh, I'm a Bears fan. That's what no, I've been looking for no, this, 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 this is what we got to do. Who, who's a practice squatter that could potentially be the number three guy on the Bears? What, what do we got? So, <laughs> All right, I got, I got you have anyone, you have anyone that's on an active roster? <laughs> well, this guy was a week ago, but he's back on the practice squad. And maybe this is a name you've heard because he's actually had some fairly decent NFL seasons, but he did not play in 2021. He was on the practice squad the entire year with the uh, Colts last season. It's Kiki Cote. Uh, you, you probably remember him because he was a uh, not a, I wouldn't say a favorite target of Deshaun Watson, but he was a frequent target of Deshaun Watson, kind of averaging 30 catches a season uh, in his uh, heyday with the, with the Texans. You see him here catching a touchdown pass despite being well guarded. Kiki Cote is a possibility. You know, he's somebody who uh, uh, is well known throughout the league. He makes people miss, as you saw there in that highlight against the, the boy that terrible Detroit Lions team. So any, anything against Detroit Lions, you gotta you, you gotta question. Well, it is against the Detroit Lions, <laughs> but he has done some other things against some teams, and you see him. He can get deep and uh, and and open. So Kiki Cote is another guy who you can be potentially plucked out of the practice squad and now you've got a receiver or two you got a body that's <laughs> what you got, you got a body. <laughs> we're filling the roster out it's like whenever you're trying like you know you don't you only have like 11 you only have like 10 kids for your peewee team so you just start walking up and down the street hey 
You want to play football? We got, we got, we got, we got uniforms and everything. We play over at Soldier Field. Yeah, we, you know, we're the we're the Bears. You want to come? You want to come play receiver for us? That is exactly we'll right. We'll but I didn't, I didn't want to give you the Denzel uh, uh, Mims, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, and these names that have been regurgitated over and over again. Kenny Galladay to the Bears. I don't care if they drop the guy. I don't want that guy anywhere near Hallis Hall. And uh, Greg Gabriel assures me that touching Denzel Mims would be a huge mistake. That guy is not reliable wide receiver, so he's not on my list either. Yeah, and <laughs> like I said before – what what draft capital are you going to give up for a guy that <laughs> we can put a mannequin in there? I like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but if you look at but much to if you look at the Bears game plan, they're running the ball a lot and they're mm-hmm. not passing the ball that much. And I understand that you want to surround your quarterback with weapons, but are you going to give up a third, fourth round pick for somebody in the middle of this year? Mm-hmm. Like I mean. Do we remember? I mean, not that it was like a huge. They only gave, I think, it was a seventh round pick. But you remember when they traded for Dontrell Inman in 2017 because they needed warm bodies. Because I think oh that was gosh. there was that was the year that both Cam Meredith and Kevin White both got hurt, so they weren't playing at all. So that was the Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, Dontrell Inman, Jeremy uh, Bellamy uh, year, and like it was it was almost similar to this. Not quite as it, this year's not quite as bad as that. So I use that as the as the benchmark, but. They go and trade for Dontrell Inman, and I think he caught like 20, 20 passes. Maybe he caught a touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is if you're trading for somebody, are you just trying to find a body for the rest of this year? Or are you looking for a guy that's going to be if you're if you're trading for him, is he going to be part of the long term plan? My guess is Ryan Poles is not going to give up a late round pick for a guy that's only going to play eight or nine games, and he has to get up to speed with the system. I totally agree with you. I think he's got a plan, and one of the things we've learned about. Ryan Poles in these few months that he's been here in Chicago is that he is a very disciplined general manager. He's not going to deviate from this plan. I'm sure when it came down to those two picks in the second round that there were probably offensive linemen and wide receivers that he was tempted to pick, you know, got to help out our quarterback and so forth. But they collectively made the decision that those two picks that they did acquire were higher up on their board than any of the offensive linemen, any of the wide receivers available, and that the defense had some uh, a defensive backfield problem. That was a collective agreement when they looked at the tape from uh, uh, 2021 and something that we didn't pay that much attention to as Chicago Bears fans because we were so worried about the offense, but it was clear that – even our our best players, uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, and Eddie Jackson were suffering because they didn't have other supporting players uh, to work with. And look at what's happened with Eddie Jackson this season now that he's got Jaquan Brisker with him. His play has improved. I mean, he is on a pro bowl uh, pay, uh, pace, mm-hmm. so we might see him play flag football. This, this yeah, or whatever, whatever the hell they're doing now with the uh, – which, <laughs> by the way, I'm glad. Like, the Pro Bowl has been – I don't think I've watched the Pro Bowl since I was maybe in elementary school. Uh, right. the, the, the skills competition, I think, is awesome. I used to play NFL quarterback club on on uh, on um, PlayStation and it had the skills competition where you'd run around, the speed and agility, the long toss to see who could throw the ball the farthest, and the fastest man in the NFL kind of stuff. So that would that, I, I'd like to watch that. I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to turn this into a Pro Bowl podcast because I want people to listen. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I think that 
<laughs> the only the only team that I think would I would be if they if the if the Steelers were willing to part with Chase Claypool because they just paid Deontay Johnson they drafted George Pickens who I wouldn't have been upset if the Bears would have drafted but they have those two guys that I think that they're fully invested in Chase Claypool could find himself as the odd man out in that trio and if it comes to the trade deadline and the Steelers don't look like they're in playoff contention and the Bears maybe give up a fourth round pick fifth round pick. Is that, he was a first rounder, right? I think he was a second rounder. Okay, second, second rounder, rounder out of Notre Dame. Yeah. So, because I don't think he has a fifth year option, I'm pretty sure he was a second rounder. And so, uh, if you're able to get him, flip him for a fourth or a fifth because you think you're going to lose him anyway, I would certainly do that. Uh, just because I think that he's a guy that with his athleticism and his skill set, he could be a guy that you re-sign on a, on a pretty moderate contract and he can be a big time contributor. I don't think he's a number one, but I think mm. that he could be a, a big time him Mooney and then maybe drafting a guy next year. Uh, mm. That would be way better than what they have now. Uh, but I'm a see. big fan of Claypool. I really wanted the bears to draft him uh, coming out of college. Uh, and you know, he's, he's, a wide receiver with a tight end's body. So he's that physical guy. He can get behind the defensive backs with his speed. He's also an ex excellent player on special teams. He's a good blocker downfield. So he's got all of the check marks for a, a Chicago Bears type of wide receiver. I would love to do that. If they could work something out where they get, I would consider trading like a third and a fourth for Claypool, but first, Knowing that you can sign him, you know, and not just uh, risk. Not exactly, exactly. And then a couple of guys in the chat room have talked about EQ perhaps should be the number one receiver and move uh, Darnell Mooney to the number two slot like he was with Allen Robinson that might improve his play and take some of the focus the defensive backfield focus away from Mooney. That's an interesting thought. And let's not forget also that Valus Jones is close to coming back. He that practiced it right. last week. And at today's press conference, Justin Fields was asked about what he brings uh, to the offense, what he could potentially bring to the offense. And uh, uh, be, But before that, Flus gave us an update on his condition. You know, hopefully Valus can be up for us uh, this game. We'll see where that goes in terms of the injury that he's had. Um, hopefully that can happen this week. I think Valus, you know, in his timeout, he's been really locking in on the plays. You know, even on some of the, uh, you know, no huddle plays, even though he's not going to play that week, he's he's still locked in. So he's been, you know, locked in mentally and, you know, just preparing himself like each week like he's playing. You know, really well. Could you guys really need that? Could you really use him right now? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we can definitely use him. I mean, he's, an, he's a great athlete. Um, you know, he's... You know, great with the ball in his hand. So, what do you think his speed? If Bayless could can go this week, what can his speed provide this offense that maybe it's been missing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it provides a lot of stuff. You know, like I said, if you just get the ball to him with his hands, you know, he can do a lot with that. And then, of course, he can you know uh, help stretch the defense vertically just just with the speed. So, yeah. John, I'd love to see him like play 15 snaps and at least try to get him two or three wide receiver screen passes to see what he can do after he catches those high percentage passes and then go a couple of times deep with him, whether it's as a, uh, you know, a, a somebody to help fool the defense and drag the defense uh, back for passes underneath or help the running game and so forth. He would be such a huge addition. I don't expect him to have a hundred yard passing day or receiving day and a couple of touchdowns, but he could, he could make an impact right away if he plays.
Oh, absolutely. And I think that he brings that he's a very dynamic player. And I think when they drafted him, they thought that he could be kind of that Debo Samuel kind of guy. He can he can return the ball. He can you could hand the ball on end arounds. You can you can take the he can blow the lid off of the defense with his speed. Uh, so to have that at your disposal that you can kind of even like you said, even use it as a decoy to try to open some other things up in the middle would be would go a long way. Uh, and so, I mean, like I said before, they did draft a receiver to try to help Justin Fields. The problem is that he's been hurt. He, has, he hasn't been able to get it on the field yet. So hopefully, mm-hmm. like you said, you ease him into it, 15 snaps, and you have some design plays with him in there. You get the ball in his hands. You see what he can do, or at the very least, take take a few defenders down the field with him and so see if you can open things up in the middle for either Cole Komet or whoever else is going to be, you know, sitting in a sitting in a soft zone somewhere if that's, where, if that's how they plan to do it. Uh, but, and especially... We know this game, Wink Martindale is going to be bringing the pressure. They're going to blitz Justin Fields a lot. He may be having to roll out quite a bit. There could be opportunities for big plays down the field. There could Mm. be some opportunities for Mooney to use his speed, for Bayless Jones to use his speed. If they're going to to just leave people out on an island or there's going to be limited amount of support in the secondary because they're bringing a lot of guys at the quarterback – you want to see some splash plays. I'd like to see some splash plays. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's hope that Bayless Jones can get on the field because I'm really excited to see what he can do once he once he gets on there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, you know, we talked about this on Sunday. This is a running team, but they're mm-hmm. you know the fact that they're running so effectively and not being able to capitalize with play action because uh, there should be receivers w- uh, wide open downfield when you've got such a great rushing attack and there are receivers downfield, but uh, Justin seems to be locked in on Mooney when that's not happening. He's just missing a wide open guy here or there, and uh, they're not getting that many pass attempts so that he can make up for that uh, because the bears want to win games. And uh, the formula is the old lovey formula, get off the bus, running the ball and play good defense. And you're going to stay in games and, and Iberflus has done a tremendous job getting these guys fit, both physically and mentally, so that in the fourth quarter they're feeling good about their chances to win. We saw it even in the Green Bay Packers game. They did not give up in that game and had a chance to win it late despite a putrid performance. And could have brought, could have taken it to a one-score game if that if that uh, Justin Fields rush is called a touchdown. You actually you have a little bit of a game there. Uh, they didn't. They certainly didn't get embarrassed. Um, mm-hmm. But Speaking uh, uh, of Justin Fields, and I know that that's you know that's that's just what everyone's going to be talking about because you want to see your your uh, you want to see your franchise quarterback take the next step. And I believe we had a we had a question back in the chat room that I wanted to get back to eventually. Uh, it was uh, by uh, Joe Trevizo. Was what would Fields have to accomplish this year to show he can become a franchise quarterback? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a sliding scale <laughs> because I, I I honestly think that the, the expectations have to be they have to be realistic from not just fans, but from the coaching staff and from the front office to know this is what he's dealing with. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the weapons around him that some of the other, the other quarterbacks have. So let's see what he does. Let's see what he does as far as what he can control. How is, how is he, how is he going through his progressions? How is he, how is he, um, is he being decisive? And there's a whole thing about, uh, I believe today he said that he's not being hesitant with his throws. And a lot of fans were getting on him and say that it looks like he's being hesitant with his throws. So um, I think that you have to look at this holistically. I don't think you can make any kind of decision in week four. 
I don't think you can make any decision in week seven, eight, or nine. I think that you have to take this season as it is at the end of the year to see where he started. And Mm -hmm. if week week one is drastically different than week 17, and if you can Mm -hmm. see that this is a different guy over the course of a season, then you say, okay, we're, we're, we're still, we're still rolling with this guy. And I don't think that you can make a real decision about that until you get him the right kind of weapons. The, the whole, the whole Tua thing in Miami, let's go out and get, you know, let's go get Jalen Waddle, uh, Waddle, and then let's go get Tyreek Hill and let's have two ridiculously fast guys on the outside. And we have a Gesicki as the, as the tight end. And we'll try to get you Chase Edmonds is a pretty good running back. So let's just see, let's surround the guy with weapons to see what he does with that. And, what two or three for what six touchdowns a couple weeks ago? So mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing what can happen when you surround your quarterback with talent. Uh, so I don't know if you can even make a hard decision at the end of this year. You can you can have a better idea. Like you can tell if a guy is a complete flop, uh, which I don't think Justin Fields is. Uh, but I, I really don't know if you can even make that assessment until you put some real weapons around it. Totally agree with that. Um, not only does he need weapons, uh, but he needs an offensive line that is going to provide the type of pockets that all of the great passers have. I mean, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has for many, many years had an out- outstanding offensive line. One of the things that he did early in his career is he held the ball a long, long time and created plays. And that was because the offensive line was, you know, they would give him four or five seconds. Yeah, he had to scramble around. He didn't stay in the pocket for four or five seconds, although it seemed like he did uh, with some games against the Chicago Bears. But he had an offensive line where he would feel comfortable. And so that's my biggest concern with Justin Fields. You know, there's the old uh, uh, proverbial saying, you know, don't rush him into action until you got protection for him because you'll make him gun shy and so forth. And so sometimes I wonder about that because he does seem a bit skittish when he's in the pocket. And then at today's press conference, listening to him talk, you know, sometimes in, in, in other press conferences, I've detected this too. He just sounds either tired or bored, doesn't want to be there with the local media and so forth. Well, he was asked today, you know, after your performance, which you described as being trash, you know, what's your psychological makeup? And this was his, his response. Um, I mean, you know, I've had bad games before. This isn't my first bad game that I've ever had. So, um, again, just looking at the past, you know, what can you do to get better? What can you do to improve? Um, just, you know, how you look at situations that, you know, maybe ha- have you had in the past like this and um, what you do to respond to it. So, um, you know, we have a guy here for mental health. Uh, so, you know, if I'm ever down that bad, I can go talk to him. But, um, you know, really just, you know, just learning from your mistakes, knowing that you're not going to be perfect and just, you know, moving on and just, uh, you know, accepting the fact that, you know, we won the game. Uh, you know, that's it's easier to. You know, correct mistakes after a win and a loss, of course. So, um, you know, just correcting each and every mistake and, you know, just trying to be better in every aspect. He's a guy who uh, likes to, for lack of a better way of putting it, likes to have a chip on his shoulder. He likes to prove the naysayers wrong. And so maybe that's where his headspace is right now. I hope that he isn't as dejected as he sounds. Because didn't he sound dejected to you? Yeah, it seemed like he didn't want to be there, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to have to keep answering the same questions over and over again. I love the fact that he referenced that if he needed to talk to the mental health professional, he would. That's that mm-hmm. I love hearing that uh, just because yep. he's not he's not he's not you know 
quote unquote too macho to admit that some people need to talk to somebody sometimes. So I, I can certainly appreciate that aspect, especially coming from a 23 year old kid. So mm -hmm. um, I, I uh, but yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a process and he understands the processes he's that he's in. He understands the situation. he is. And I, mean, I think the coaches understand the situation he's in. Um, I think that he doesn't like losing. I think that he gets irritable when he loses because he's just he doesn't like to lose. And they, and like I said before, I like a guy that gets ticked off when they lose. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, this is just is just uh, another one of those things that he's going to have to work through. Like when you lose, the media is going to keep asking the same questions over and over again. They probably didn't do that at Ohio State because they didn't lose that much. Uh, so <laughs> when you lose in the NFL in the Chicago media market, they're going to keep asking you and asking you and asking you and asking you and you're going to, you're going to get irritated at times. And this is part of those growing pains. And just, uh, just a quick, because somebody asked, and I, I don't know why I did this, but someone, somebody asked well, who the free agents are for at the wide receiver position for 2023. Mm -hmm. Oh, it ain't pretty. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, we're top in the charts with Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, who just tore his ACL, DJ shark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, <laughs> Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry. Any of those names making you go crazy? Uh, Sammy Watkins, Zach Pascal, Keelan Cole, Brashard Perryman, Marquise Goodwin, Nicole um, Hardman. Ew. Oh, man. And so all of those guys, John, are available right now. I mean, yeah, I would say right the majority now. of those guys that I just rattled off are actually you can probably sign right now uh, <laughs> outside, right. Of, outside of a couple. Yeah, they're <laughs> so uh, none of those names are uh, you're going to have to draft somebody or or like I said before, if a if a wide receiver who's entrenched number one gets disgruntled, uh, like let's just say Tom Brady retires and Mike Evans is like, I don't want to play here anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want I don't whoever they bring in. I'm not playing for this guy. And the Bears will give you, you know, a two and a three or two twos or whatever it is for Mike Evans. And then you can still draft a guy at number one. Then, OK, OK, I can get on board with that. But, uh, oh, uh, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's it's not looking good in free agency. <laughs> and <laughs> Even I though they have a lot of cap. I do agree with J2K. Alan Lazard is uh, the best wide receiver. Greg Gabriel and I talked about him a lot uh, during the offseason. He was a restricted free agent. We knew the Packers were going to uh, make it comfortable, comfortable for him to stay another year, but uh, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And I bet that, uh, you know, he had 10 touchdowns the year before last, or I think it was last season he had 10 touchdowns. And now without Devontae Adams, he's probably for sure going to have another 10 touchdown catches. He's going to be a hot commodity. He's another one of those wide receivers that fits the Bears mode. Big target, can block downfield, uh, has relatively good speed uh, for a big guy. He's an interesting candidate out there. But, the uh, you know, one of the things that Ryan Pulse has kind of indicated is that he's not going to pay the tr uh, Christian Kirk kind of dollars yeah. for a wide receiver so if lazard is going to be in that position then bypass him and, and, and try to find the diamond in the rough that, that's the that's the problem whenever you're the whenever the market's bad and you might be the best receiver in a bad market alan lazard is probably looking at looking at this licking his chops because he's like i'm the best receiver out of this garbage free agency pool so mm -hmm. i'm going to get overpaid because i'm the one asset out of all of these that people might actually want to see or one mm -hmm. might actually want to sign so uh that 
that's very true. The Alan Lazard could price himself out of Chicago, which I'm sure he'll be devastated at for. Uh, but yeah, but he, he could he could get paid. So let, let's let's I'm not let's not worry too much about free agency. It was what is it? Week four, the Bears are two and one. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, hey, uh, somebody mentioned. Uh, I forgot to save it here, but somebody mentioned. I think it was Joe. Was it Joe? Uh, how many How many more years do you have uh, to determine whether Justin Fields is the guy or not? And here's the thing with that: uh, if the Bears, if Justin Fields doesn't show any noticeable improvement right now. I think that the approach Ryan Poles is going to take is, okay, who's available for us at quarterback? And is that quarterback better than Justin Fields or has more potential than Justin Fields? So if the Bears are picking in the top 10 of the draft and the top five and there's a quarterback there and they weigh him against Justin Fields, I wouldn't at all be surprised if Ryan Poles pulled the trigger on that. But I do think in my heart that I, I believe we're going to see improvement from Justin Fields so that by the end of the season, at the very least, that bar of who could replace Justin Fields is going to be a lot higher than it appears to be right now. Yeah, I, I can't get on board with dumping him after the season just because of what is there right now. It would take me another probably full season to be ready to be like, okay, it's time to move on. If he, if, if they, if they're able to go through another off season with all the cap space they have, and let's hope that they, they bring in some more around him. Uh, it would take at least another season for me to be like, all right, time to, time to move on from this guy. I did see a, an article today already about three potential, uh, you know, uh, options if Justin Fields is a bust and that's after this season and then the names I think it was on uh the windycity.com I'm trying to give I'm trying to give as much credit as I can I just can't really remember where I saw it uh it was um it was uh Jimmy Garoppolo uh it was drafting a guy and then uh oh god I'm never gonna remember the other person that was on there uh, that was on that list uh but it oh it was uh Damn, I can't think of it. But it, but anyway, it was a drafting a guy or like Jimmy Garoppolo that was that was like the options if Justin Fields bust out this year. Um, I, I it's just hard for me to say go get a quarterback whenever you know you're, there's a lot of other positions of need and you're still not overly sure if Justin Fields is is the guy or not. So mm-hmm. I would give him one more year. They gave Mitch four years, uh, so three and a half ish, kind of. But uh, but I think that you got to give him at least, at least next year with another full cycle of this this uh, this GM and this head coach. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I I think the team knows that they did Justin Fields very few favors during the offseason, you know, and if they're going to be harsh with their grading of, of Justin Fields based on the fact that they've got a ragtag offensive line, a guy they uh, picked up from the Green Bay Packers who was, I don't even think Lucas Patrick was drafted or maybe he was, but it was a, a low draft pick and you've got a fifth round draft pick at your left tackle position at a, another fifth round draft pick at your right tackle position, a uh, offensive guard at left guard who really doesn't deserve to be paid the kind of money he's being paid, <laughs> and uh, a center that everybody in town can't wait for Sam Mustafer to grab some bench. <laughs> and then Tevin Jenkins is your best offensive lineman. So, you know, they, they have to know that this isn't doing Justin Fields any favor. They have to know that these journeyman wide receivers – 
Pettis and Equinemia St. Brown aren't doing him any favors. And so unless they're seeing something in practice and in the meeting rooms that we have not been privy to, like he's falling asleep in the meeting rooms, he's really not as smart as people say. Or there's no indication, had, of, that. Yeah, there's no yeah, indication. There's no indication of that. So they have to be realistic and say, okay, we need to give this guy another shot. But I still hold true to my point that if for some reason all of a sudden the Jimmy, if they look at, let me ask you that. If they look at Jimmy Garoppolo and he's available for a relatively good salary, would they then say, okay, we're going to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo and he's going to be our number one quarterback in 2023 if uh, Justin Fields fails to perform at a high level the rest of the season? I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that you bring in if you think that you're gonna win a Super Bowl and you're just a quarterback away kind of thing. I, and I don't think that, I don't know if the Bears are gonna feel like they're a Super Bowl contender in 2023. So uh-huh. what are you gonna what are you gonna do paying Jimmy Garoppolo 25 million dollars a year for two years? And plus, I think he's already in his early 30s or whatever he is. He, you know what you're getting. I think that the ceiling has probably been hit. With Jimmy Garoppolo. By the way, that I, I looked up that article while you were talking. It's actually by Vinny Parisi. So, oh, <laughs> so yeah. my man, Vinny. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, it was uh, draft a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, or go all in on Lamar Jackson. Which I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, that's a fun thought. That's a, I, that's a, everyone loves speculation. I don't I don't think the Bears are going to get Lamar Jackson. Uh, but uh, yeah. I, I don't see a scenario where they go and they overpay or even pay Jimmy Garoppolo uh, whenever they have a young team that they're trying to start the course with and they're not going to take a huge chunk out of that and say we're a jimmy garoppolo away from being in the nfc championship game i Mm -hmm. i don't think that that, i don't think that's where they're at necessarily so um there's a lot of things that have to happen there's a lot of things that have to play out for this year like i like i said the, the biggest interest point for me going into this year was there was there was so many unknowns and we're starting to see a little bit of it, but where there's still a lot that needs to be answered. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting some answers about the wide receiving core. We're going to see as the defense progresses how good this defense can actually be at once, you know, Gordon and uh, Brisker keep progressing, see how good Eddie Jackson can be. And we're starting to see that a little bit. We're starting to see how good Roquan Smith can be uh, and what's going to happen with him with his contract. So, there's still a lot of questions that need answered. We're still in the first quarter of the season, so uh, a lot has to play out. But it's this is uh, this, there's more talking points than there were last year. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Jimmy has an interesting point, one that I'd love to discuss with you. He says that he he doesn't like the plan as it exists now. He doesn't. It doesn't state that if we re, we are rebuilding, he writes, or are we playing for the playoffs if we are rebuilding then let us see what we have in justin fields and stop running the ball so let me offer my thoughts first on this i think you owe it to all the veterans on that team starting with robert quinn and eddie jackson and every other veteran on that team to try to win games at the early part of the season because you just never know if you are winning games by running the ball and playing good defense then why not continue that? And maybe Justin Fields will develop even with the limited amount of throws that you're asking him to do. Maybe by week eight or nine, he is not staring down Darnell Mooney and he is spotting the open man. Both of those things are possible. So you have to, you have to, for the sake of keeping the clubhouse 
happy, all those veterans happy, and even new guys, you want to establish a winning culture, you have to first and foremost factor in how do we win this game? And then, then secondly, is how do we develop this quarterback to help us win games? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's – and I – you know, honestly, I didn't think of that. And so I'm glad that you said that because there is – you play in the beginning of the season, you're playing to win games. You don't want to go into the season saying, hey, guys – you, I know you've been in the league for six years, but we're not we're not playing to win. Uh, we're just, we're gonna let the rookie toss the ball around forty times, and all what? of a sudden, and then and then you guys then you got guys pissed off in the media saying, "I don't know what we're doing," or you you're, you could cause a, a rift in the locker room, you could cause a schism between the players, the offense and the defense, or whatever. Um, and but I think once, let's just say for one, let's just say they're out of playoff contention week. 11 or whatever it is, or they're it's obvious they're not going to make the playoffs by week 10 yeah. or 11. Then maybe you start opening it up a little bit. You see what you Great. got in Justin Fields because the season, at least in the, in the present tense is done. You're not, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to make the playoffs. So then you start seeing, and you really, and plus you got Justin Fields eight or nine games into the season. You work him in. He's, he knows the system a little bit better. So then you start tossing it around and see what you actually have in the quarterback. Uh, but like you said, I think you owe it to the players to say, hey, what if we fall ass backwards into a five and one record? Are we still just going to, you know, toss the season away so we can see what we got in our young quarterback? Uh, so I think you see what you got. I'm not saying the Bears are going to the playoffs. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I don't believe that they're going to the playoffs. But stranger things have happened. And I think you owe it to the guys on the field to try to win those games. And mm -hmm. I'm having a little bit of a change of heart because I, I said something very different on the halftime show last week because I was pissed off they didn't try to score. I'm still, yeah, I pissed pissed off. Off I'm still pissed off they didn't try to score. I wish they would have tried to do that. But I let, I let that sink into my overall opinion, and I wish I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but I, I'm starting to – I understand the fact that you're trying to win games and you're trying to see what you got. And plus, you're seeing what you got in your running game. You're, you're seeing what you got in Khalil Herbert. You're seeing what you got in this offensive line. They can run block. We're seeing that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think you can do an overall you overall evaluation of a team without having to throw the ball 40 or 50 times. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm totally on board now. I, I, and I will admit whenever I, over, I overreacted, and I overreacted on that. You overreact? Get out of here. You believe that. You believe that, <laughs> that, I would, that I would let my emotions blur what I'm saying. I am here, that's, that's so unlike me. That's so not in tune with what this show is about. Uh, <laughs> not, not like I do an entire show about overreacting. Uh, <laughs> here, we, here we are. Uh, so, I will admit, I will admit when I overreact. I will admit, I will always reserve the right to change my mind upon thinking uh, a little more clearly. So, uh, you're, you're a better man than me. Yeah. Yeah, I will always admit when I overreact, I will always admit when I'm wrong. I overreact and I'm going to keep overreacting. But you try to win, you try to win those games. You try to see what you got for those guys in the locker room. If you can win the, if you can win the game by running the ball 30 times, do it. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and the progression with Justin Fields will come. Uh, but, but like I said before, eventually mm -hmm. you will have to win a shootout. If you're going to be, if you're going to play, if you're going to beat Green Bay, if you're going to beat some of these other teams, you're going to beat Tampa, okay. you're going to, you're going to beat, uh, you're going to beat Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to throw the ball and win the game, throwing the ball. Uh, mm -hmm. And if the bears are out of contention at some point this season, I think you have to ramp that up. 
Caesar brings up an interesting point that sparked off this idea in my head. He writes, shit, just let J Justin hand off the ball to himself and run the ball. How about if they devise a play where Justin Fields can somehow lateral to himself, just lob it high enough so he can run and catch it and run? Like, that could be a great play. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could, yeah, as long as it's behind him and you're not passing oh, it to your belt. Right. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? What are we doing right now? What are, what are, we're, we're devising ways for the quarterback to lateral it to himself. What are we doing? Uh, it's hump day. It's time to pass the week. I was gonna say we've been we've been on the air for too long that we're talking about Justin Fields throwing going lateral to himself. So let's wrap this up. Let's go out on that. The, the Bears fans are at a point where the podcasters are saying, "How can Justin Fields toss the ball to himself?" There's there's an idea. All right. I like oh, that. No. <laughs> Before. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> For a different show. Uh, before we wrap things up, I know we got a ton of programming coming up on the Barroom Network. Who's on uh, the Bear Debate? The Bear Debate, uh, we've got our very own Ross Reed from uh, the Mac and Reed show. They're actually taking the week off from their show, which is on Thursdays at 7 p.m. because Mac is getting married. And oh, uh, but Ross is in town, and he is going to battle uh, Kenneth Davis from the Under the Center uh, podcast. So we've got two heavyweights going at it tomorrow at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And so that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And then earlier in the day, it's uh, one of uh, the season's final episodes of Crosstown Crosstalk with Vinny Parisi. Uh, and he had a great show on today. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, you should really check it out. Tab uh, Bamford for Blackhawk fans, they know the name. Tab has been writing about the Blackhawks for many years. He's very well known as a, uh, a very perceptive uh uh, media person of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was the guest on Bar Down Hockey Talk today, and they looked at the entire Central Division. And they also had some fun talking Chicago Bears football, too. So that was a great show that was on today. But tomorrow's the Bear Debate and Crosstown Crosstalk. Uh, and then following this show tonight, it's the Science Fiction Show. The guys are going to talk about Hugh Jackman making a return as Wolverine in one of the upcoming Marvel movies. So that's going to be an interesting that. show they'll have. I'm, I almost get a, I almost gave a spoiler there. Cause I saw, cause I saw, I saw, I saw the, uh, I saw the, um, the promo for it today. I'm very excited, but I'm not a, listen, I'm not like a Marvel or DC person, but when I saw I this know. promo, I got excited because I happened to really like what's going on. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to be that guy. Uh, but, but, uh, but also make sure after the game on Sunday, you tune into Bear Football. Myself, Danny Shimon, and Tyler Gaines Ellis with Aldo in the background going over that raw emotion and overreaction I was just talking about. There's plenty of that to go on after the Bears game. And also at halftime, we we have a little report there as well. So Bear Football, the second that the clock hits triple zeros, we will be on the air talking about hopefully a Chicago Bears victory where they are three and one. We are banking on that. But that will do it. For this edition of Buffon 55, Aldo, hey, your your pinch hitting was pretty good today. I'll give you that. You you you, you dusted off the old skills. I'm I'm fatigued. I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, all of our thoughts and prayers over with Alyssa and everyone down in Florida battling that hurricane. Uh, stay safe. Uh, hope to talk to you soon. But that'll do it for Buffon 55. I'm John Buffon for Aldo Gandia. We will see you next week. Bear down, everybody. Take care.